Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. So today, my guests are Len Silverston and Bob Siner. Len and Bob have both been on the show before. Bob is the authority on non-invasive data governance, the publisher of TDAN.com, and founder of KIK Consulting and Educational Services. Len is a best-selling author of the Data Model Resource Book Series, owner of Universal Data Models, LLC, and a consultant and speaker helping organizations integrate their information systems and people. Welcome back, guys. Great to be back. Thanks. All right. So we're going to jump right into it today because you guys can go listen to the previous episodes that Bob and Len were on if you want to hear their whole backstory and kind of what they're doing. But today we're here to talk and debate and, and explore data, facts, and stories. So I want to start it with a simple question. Why? <laughs> Perfect place to start. Well, let's uh, let you start. Because we don't know what's true anymore. We, we see <laughs> politics. We see uh, the vaccine. We see uh, the coronavirus. We see the news. Is it real or not? Uh, we see alternative facts. Uh, what is true? We see the environment. And what is true? What can we count on? What do we know? So how, what's that have to do with facts and, and data? <laughs> <laughs> like Agreed. Show over. <laughs> Len, and you, Len, you and I have had several conversations about this over uh, past several months, actually. And if people who don't know should go check out his column on TDAN right now. Uh, well, I don't know when this will be will, will be made public, but it will still be on TDAN about data politics and polarization. And it's a right. great piece, but it, it's kind of spurred on some conversations that we had between, you know, are there alternative facts and, you know, what uh, what is a fact? Because, mm -hmm. yeah, the news, everything that's stated isn't fact. It's um, and we both I think we both or maybe all three of us agree on the fact that you know, the news is there, it sensationalizes things a lot. And they're going to say things because they will, you know, the world's coming to an end, come back at 11 and we'll tell you about it, you know, things like that. So they sensationalize everything. And, you know, you, it's, it's almost a known fact, speaking of facts, that you can get data to say anything you want to get it to say. And, you know, you could only provide part of the data and therefore make your case, uh, you know, as completely as you think. But then so so who is there a great overseer of facts that uh, is there to, to say something is a fact or something isn't a fact? Uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, and, you know, depending on what news station you watch or what uh, source you go to for your news it's not surprising that it's polarizing people, polarizing the heck out of people. I mean, just look at the country now. Look at the balance in the election. And and if that doesn't scare you enough, then, um, you know, there are people, but then people who don't agree with me would say that the things that I believe in aren't facts. So it, it's tough. I mean, it's a story, right? It, it falls back to the idea of the story that you wrote about or you talk about as well. So 
that's what I'll throw at you, Lennon, and see what uh, you have to say about that. Yeah, so I agree. I agree. And yet um, I asked a bunch of our colleagues, including we had a discussion on this, to say, what actually is the definition of data? This show is about data. What's the definition of data? And I got uh, <laughs> dozens of different definitions um, from different people. And one comment I got was, who cares what the definition of data is? Like, <laughs> why does it matter? And, and the reason it matters is back to, hey, what can we trust? What do we know? What do we not know? So people will throw out in the news, well, this is data, you know, and you look at a lot of definitions of data and uh, a lot of definitions of data say data is fact uh, 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 on, on many sources. But, but I can fill out a form that says that I'm seven foot eight. Right. And that becomes data. And because right. it's data, doesn't make it fact, right? It's it's not actual, right? It, it's not true. Uh, again, you know, true is probably the beauty is in the eye of the beholder too. But you know, just to let everybody out there know, I'm seven foot eight, <laughs> and you know, I weigh about one seven two. <laughs> it's it's not factual data, but it's data. <laughs> just the seven foot eight part, yes, that's factual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Right. So we get confused because they say, well, this is the data. There's some sources I looked at that said, well, data can sometimes be thought of as fact and sometimes be thought of as signal. It's mm -hmm. just some, like if you look at the etymology of it, uh, it comes from the word datum, which is a Latin word, which means something given. It means something is given. Mm -hmm. It exists on a database. It exists someplace. But I agree with you, Bob. It doesn't mean it's true. But <laughs> in the news, people say, well, it's the data. And I think we it's a very important thing to distinguish the data, which could be good quality, bad quality, which is like your your whole area, Bob, is, is data governance to say, hey, how good is the how good is the data? How do we make the data good? And uh, uh, so data could be data, but bad, bad quality data. Well, and, and, and like I said before, it may be a, a matter of only reporting some of the data and not reporting all of the data. And the question is, well, what is what encompasses all of the data? Well, one thing that really um, I yelled at the TV a lot, let's just put it that way, that way. might have thrown a soft cushion against the TV at some point in time when COVID had just gotten started uh, because they were only reporting the number of cases. They weren't reporting the number of people that were being tested and what the percentage tested, right? And, and it was, I mean, and they still do that some of the time. Yeah, it's not that I didn't think that, that, that it was bad, but, you know, but let us know reality. So does this mean that, you know, every person we see on the street has like a 90% chance that they're infected or is it really something a lot lower than that. I mean, we all needed to be concerned about it and we are all still concerned about it. But, you know, other pieces of data and stuff just around COVID itself, they announced that in Brooklyn, where my daughter lives, that there's a 3% positivity rate in tests. And they report that in Allegheny County in Pennsylvania, where I live, it's... Um, it may not still be this high. I think it's gone down, but they were saying it was 20%, 20% uh, 
25%. And the fact is, in New York, my daughter could go get tested every day, every week, if she wanted to. And and tests were available to anybody all the time. It's not like that here. And so um, people that were getting tested here were more likely to be of showing symptoms and things like that. So again, I don't want to make this all about COVID, but they didn't say the number of people that were being tested. The, they, they just need to, they need to put the information together. Well, what, the, what they're doing is they're putting the information together to tell a story that they want to tell. And, the, and they'll only include the data that they want. And it comes down to, you know, what is it that they want you to think? What's going right. to make what's going to make you come back for the uh, the ten o'clock and then the eleven o'clock, you know, telecast of the news? It's uh, it's sad. I mean, it, it it makes it so we don't know what's a fact and what's the whole story, and because we're data folks, all three of us, and you know, we would want to we recognize that we we look for all of the data or as much as we can get. Sorry, so, I, I've been talking a so while. So here, here's my question. My question is, is, is when it comes, what, what constitutes a fact? Like, how do you move from a, you know, data? I think we we kind of articulated data of, of various, very, you know, validity or quality or, or what have you. But like, wh- how do we get to a point? Where is that threshold for data to become fact? I think a story is is a narrative around whatever it is. But like, what? I think I think about your definition, Bob, of of data governance, right? And that enforcement of authority and like there's there's some stickiness to your your definition of that. Mm-hmm. With with respect to data, what what authority or what what would we be able to do to verify that data is factual? Because and and I think about like fact checkers, right? And we we think about the news and things like that. There's fact checking. Well, what constitutes a fact? Or if we're writing a research paper, you had to cite your sources. Who's to say that they're correct in anything that they have? Right. They're just published. And, and you know, Len, when you said given, you know, it's given, but, you know, I, so I give my height as being seven foot eight. Exactly. That's the data. It's yeah. not measured, though. It, it's, but it, it, so I gave that to you. So that's given. But, you know, if you take out a, a ruler and you measure me, I'm not going to be seven foot eight. So, does that is so Anthony, is that what you're kind of saying is that now it's actually been measured and then the question becomes is it recorded correctly? Well yeah. Because you know, I, I, I measure the, uh, six foot one and a half and still put down that I'm seven foot eight. Mm-hmm. So I looked up a whole bunch of definitions of data, facts, and stories. And and I like one of them in particular about facts. It basically says uh, a fact is something real, and mm-hmm. it can be uh, okay. real, and it and it and it can be proven, repeated, and or observed. Uh, there's a longer definition, but that's. I the- like that though. I think those are those are good criteria that you know they have to be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, but then it comes back to Anthony's question of all: well, How do you know it's real? Yeah, that's you know, a really good question. You've got a gauge that the, I've got a thermometer. We'll talk about that as being a gauge. And I have it outside and it's showing it's 110 degrees 
you know, my, the calibration on my thermometer is obviously off because we wouldn't still have eight inches of snow on the ground if it was 110 degrees. Um, so, you know, even things that are recorded, like when you're driving in your car and your car tells you you're going 65 miles an hour, if it's messed up, if your calibration is messed up, it, you could be not going 65 miles an hour. So, you know, even things that are real, and I forget some of the other terms that you used, Len, to describe that, um, you know, proven, even though it's measurable. Proven, repeated, or observed. So, and I, I like acronyms, PRO, proven, repeated, observed. Okay, okay. Um it's you know it it's it's again tough right i mean it, it's um is there an answer and why do we care um you know why does why should anybody care well you know because you know we base a lot of what we do on what we hear and so and it's hard just to be you know to to be completely un impacted by it right so if you're going to watch the news or you're going to watch tv or you're going to watch or you're going to have any interaction with anybody you know even if you just see one person and they keep telling you the same thing over and over again i won't mention any specific person um but um you know they they it's because either they believe it or they want you to believe it and does that make it fact um right and, and I think what you said uh, about why do we care? That's a great question. Why do we care? I love your question, Anthony. Why do we care? But I've heard so many people th- these days say, I can't. I wrote about politics, a touchy subject, because I've heard so many people say, I can't even talk to my brother or to my friend. or I, I can't even talk to them anymore because um, they, they believe something else is fact. Uh, they're on one side or another side. We're we're divi- dividing ourselves. We're disintegrating, meaning to separate into parts or to crumble. Uh, we're we're falling apart. Uh, and and because I have my way of being right, and you have your way of being right. But I think our ways of being right are, are somewhat close together. But yes, we're not. It's not like we're on the polar opposite ends of the uh, of the world, right? Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't help now, too, that technology is at such that we can be bombarded with news and information 100% of the time. It, it's not, maybe not while we're sleeping, but if you put your iPad next to your desk, you know, I uh, or next to your bed, you know, you may be. Uh, I think um, it is while we're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have... Uh, if there's deer that walk in front of my camera in the back of the house, I get a notification. And if I don't turn off my iPad, I get up in the middle of the night and because it, it tells me there's motion back there or something. But Oh, wow. I got know, deer in my background because it's my backyard. <laughs> yeah, I love the pictures of your dear children in the background. That's very, 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 very good. <laughs> uh, I stole his joke. Um, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, Anthony, are we going to solve this issue in this uh, this podcast? Well, of course not. And and actually, I was I was thinking like oh, we have you know, we could have an academic you know discussion about data facts and stories for as long as we have. But I, I'm thinking about our audience, and I'm thinking like we have everybody from you know business owners to data management professionals to data scientists and and people trying to use data. 
what's actionable for them? Like what what can they do pragmatically to overcome the fact that there is a lot of misinformation out there and that maybe we're asked to use data that we can't verify how reliable it is. And I, I, I probably spend more time thinking about metadata than a reasonable person should, but I, I think about, you know, when we create structures, whether they're data governance or metadata structures, there's this tendency to like lean heavy on that enforcement of authority piece and not enough on let's bring the nuanced context to bear and let other people figure out for them what makes sense. And so I'm I'm really an advocate of of saying, you know what? I can't decide for you. We can't the three of us can't decide for everybody listening what data facts and stories really are really mean. Um you know, people have to kind of determine that and what's what's actionable for themselves. But when I think about what can we do, it's let's try to bring more context forward. Let's try to provide platforms where the nuance of the debate gets captured. I think a lot about showing my work. Like I can get to an answer in governance, but I think it's even more important to explain to people where we're coming from and why that decision was made so that they at least can both understand it and determine whether or not it's applicable for what their particular use cases are. Because we're not here talking about life and death usually. We're talking about trying to navigate creation of systems or business processes or do something in our organizations. You know, And granted, what our organizations do may be really important. It's also where if I say, here's the answer, and that answer turns out to not apply to you and you use that answer, well, that's actually really worse, much worse than if I didn't give you anything at all. Right. I think uh, what's really critical in business is to distinguish when we're giving data and when we're giving stories. Mm. And if we don't, there's big consequences. At one client I had, uh, the data steward reported that there wasn't tens of thousands of customers. There was much less customers because we got a more precise, clear definition of exactly what a customer is. And when he reported this lower number, he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, wait a second, you just ruined our business. Uh, no, 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 no. He's, and, and, and that's where it's really important to distinguish what's the story going on by the way, a story, uh, I define it as a true or imagined connected series of events. So we can pick whatever story we want to say, well, this guy has always been a troublemaker. Now he's reporting less customers. Uh, but we really need to distinguish uh, what, what are data slash facts? What are these things? And then when are we picking, cherry picking and creating some story for motivational purposes and to distinguish those things? Uh, and by the way, stories are useful, too, because uh, they make things interesting. But we just need to know it's a story. So maybe I but from what you just said, Len, and what uh, Anthony, what you were just asked talking about, I think we have a solution to the problem. Wouldn't that be great if we could solve this problem on this nice. webinar? I'm in. Oh, what do you got? I actually I actually think that when Anthony, when you mentioned the word context, right? You give somebody a piece of data and you don't know what that data is, it stands for or what that data is. Mm -hmm. um, I've been known to do that. Just put a number out there and not give an explanation as to what the number means. Um, you don't know what it is unless you provide the context. And the context comes from metadata. So I'm kind of with you, Anthony. I'm working for several clients that are metadata is the focus of what we're doing. And 
you know, you, so, you know, we can, so I always use the equation of data plus metadata or data plus context equals information. Mm. So if we can get to the point where we only provide information, but then again, it would have to be all of the information, you know, not just uh, uh, the part that I want you to know about, but if we could provide it without, you know, without adding anything behavioral to it. So this is kind of Len where you come in too, is, is that, you know, if we don't have an intention, okay, I want you to think this. So I'm presenting to you the information this way and this amount of information. Um, if we ever, you know, like NPR, if people know of NPR, that that's supposed to be that way for the news. They're not supposed to show any emotion. They're not supposed to say anything that would give you an inclination to lean one way or another. But if we always, if everything that was ever presented was just being presented as information instead of fact, Hey, I just solved the problem. Well, how, how long have we been on Anthony? I think that you know, we solved the problem in 30 minutes or less. So um, now I, that's what I think. I mean, it, the context is so important and every organization I work with, they want to get more confidence in the data that they use. And it's impossible to get that level of confidence unless you add metadata to it, unless you add um, the context to the data. Mm-hmm. And I could give you a figure and you don't know what it is. Is it an address, a quantity? Is it a dollar amount? What, you know, what the heck is it? Um, you need the metadata. And so, and I talk a lot about data governance, but then the, the metadata is not going to govern itself either. So you need metadata governance because you need somebody to define, produce, and use metadata the same way. So I don't know. Maybe that gets us a little bit – it doesn't solve the problem of polarization. But if it was just provided to us as information with context of the data, um, and then we could make our own uh, – draw our own uh, conclusions from it, maybe the world would be a better place. I don't know. <laughs> now, I think that goes a long way, Bob. It's, it's good to say, hey, let's not, because people cherry pick data and they use it to manipulate things. So yeah, yeah you provide the context uh, in all these uh, business settings or world settings, that's useful. Um, then we have another issue, which is data storytelling is this huge field in, in, our, uh, in our business. And one of the reasons it's huge is because Advocates of it say data and information is boring. <laughs> it doesn't involve emotions. I mean, movies are all based upon emotion and excitement. And look what happened and create this big picture of what happened. And uh, so so uh, if you just present the information, uh, people lose interest. It's like, yeah, okay. So yeah, but a movie is a story, though. A movie is. is that series of events that you were just talking about. And it's it not... Is. It's not data. Right. Um, you can use the data to tell any story you want. You you'll pick which data you want to use. You'll you know when the the, the story I like uh, or I don't like it, but I, I hear about a lot is that the oceans are raising are rising in temperature. I know, Len, you're a big environmental guy. Well, that's kind of obvious with your background and where you live, but the. Uh, you know, the oceans are only rising by like 0.01 degree. 
But what does that mean? What do, what type of impact does that have? The glaciers are melting. The the weather is changing. Um, but there's some people that will say, you know, over time it's it's changed this much. You're not talking. You're talking about the number being so minute. But then the story is that that minute change uh, it, it, it it hurts all of us. Right. In, in your uh, in your column in TDAN, I wrote what, an article, What's the Truth About the Environment? And I talked about this to say, hey, there's a story. Yes, it's a minute amount, but then environmentalists say, yeah, but it's going to go up exponentially with all these factors. So, yes, we're creating two sides of the story. One people saying, oh, it's nothing. It's going up minutely. Other people saying it's going to go up exponentially. Mm-hmm. And then I think with these stories, one of the big human factors is, you know, I call it data mining. You know, this data, my way is right. It's not data mining like like, uh, exploration. It's my data is right. It's going up exponentially. No, no, no. My data is right. It's it's minute. Uh, And and we we get so, as humans, we want to be right. It seems like it's this human thing to be right. And that's where we create a story to be right. Well, or is it I want to believe what I want to believe? Yeah. It's not necessarily that it's right because being right again comes back to, is it a fact? Is it repeatable? Is it all of those things that you just talked about? So it's not a matter of, uh, you know, if if I choose to believe something, and there's nothing that you can tell me, no numbers that you can give me to persuade me something different. That's my, you heard the expression, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I right. mean, that, that's, right. It's a real thing, right? It, it's one of the reasons we have polarization the way we have it right now is because people aren't willing to listen and, and that, that it could be my, it could be both directions, right? It could be, I'm not willing to listen. And it could be other people aren't listening, willing to listen to what I believe. So I wish we could solve this problem. Man, it would be so much better if we did that. You know, part (laughs) of the problem is, is that thinking is exhausting. You know, it's... That's why my head hurts, yes. I mean, (laughs) seriously, like, it's, it's much easier to say, you know what... I don't even need this data. I got my story. I, I can pick and choose what I want into it. But I know the answer already. And right. it's a lot easier to go out and support that by picking out data that looks like it supports it or, or what have you. It's a lot harder to say, I truly want to be data-driven. I don't know. And I'm trying to find an answer. And I'm, and I'm open to all of the possibilities. And I'm skilled enough to not accidentally skew the results to where I think it already is. Because, like, most misinformation isn't created because people are intending to misinform, or at least I think so. But it's because the data is misinterpreted due to biases that are either implicit or explicit but but are there for sure. And and so it's it's you know it's really hard. Like if you're questioning every every time you get a new nugget of anything and you're reconsidering everything because of it, you're gonna be really tired at the end of it. That is the one thing I know for sure. <laughs> just explain why my head just explodes at the end of every day. Um, um, what, I, what I noticed in, in politics is, uh, if we could uh, talk about kind of a touchy subject these days, is does the data even matter? Do the facts even matter? 
people, um, when you look at polls, are on one side or the other side, especially in our U.S. system, we have a two-party system. Most of the world is more than two parties, so we are set to be bipolar. Um, but it doesn't even matter sometimes if you give data or you give facts. And then to top that off, you say, well, is it a fact that uh, the uh, election uh, was was mishandled? Was, uh, you know, are, did ballots get filled out um, uh, incorrectly and, 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 and back to proven, repeatable and observed? And people argue on both sides of it. Uh, so how do you know, how do you know if it's a fact or not? You know, it would be a terrible day when data doesn't matter, not not just to us professionally, um, but it will be a terrible day. And you know what? I don't even think that we can get to a day where data doesn't matter because it's going to be inherently built into our thought process. I know that when I wake up at a certain time of the day, how long it takes me to get ready and get in my car and get downtown and get to my parking spot to get to my office on time. That's all data. We can't, right. we're not, we're not writing that data down, but that, that is data. And you know what? And if we um, were naive and when we get a new job, we think it's going to take a lot less time to get to the office. Um, we're going to learn really quickly. We're going to pay consequences for not using the data to, adjust our schedules based on that data. So we can't, we won't, it's going to be impossible to get away from that data. So if you really want to know why should we care, just look to our daily lives. Hey, I know, you know, you know, certain things and it's all based on experience and experience, you know, it becomes data, even if it's one day experience in that example that I used, it's, it's still data related. So, you know, it would be bad for all of us if we just started to say, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to care about data at all. Um, it's it, it it's now more than ever. We are in, you know, if we're not in the information age, um, I don't know what you would call it, the digital age. Um, it, you just can't get away from it. So I mean, it, it's a nice question to ask is, you know, could we live without it? I don't think so. I think it would, I can't even imagine. We should, that would be a great column to write, Anthony, something like that. You know, a world without data. You know, uh, that, that would be an interesting uh, story to tell, no doubt. Um, I don't even know if it's even possible to do that. So I, I just, I can't even think about baseball without data. Like that's <laughs> a world without data. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. You guys really, I have like another life where I do Zen with Len and uh, spiritual practices. And I have a, a, a Zen master I've been studying with for like 20 years. And one of the things he says all the time when people get wrapped up in emotions and reactions and stories is stop. What's the data? He says that all the time, like stop. Because so, so I agree with you, Bob, it would be a terrible world if, but that's kind of a lot of the world we live in sometimes uh, where people are so wrapped up in emotions and stories, we lose uh, the, 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 we lose the, the, the reality, the data, the facts, like what are really the, the facts and the data? And that's actually the practice of Zen or awareness mm. of what is, what is real? Well, and you know what, if we, 
we need to draw from our experience. And I think this is true for every single person out there. And, and any, actually any living creature is, would be the same way. We've got to learn from that. And, and I think Anthony, you were getting to this a little bit earlier is we've got to use our brain and take something that is said to us that, or some numbers or whatever that we see and, make a decision as to whether or not we trust that information or that, that Mm -hmm. data, that data and that information is correct. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, like you said, I I said, I could, uh, you know, report that I'm seven foot eight. Um, You know, from experience of, I know from seeing both of you at at events and conferences, hopefully we'll get back to that Mm -hmm. soon. And I'm not seven foot eight unless I've grown, you know, significantly since the last time that we've seen each other. So we've got to use our experience to make a to make that differentiation between what's real. Again, Len, one of the words that you used, it's real. What's real and what's not. Hmm. Yeah. And if we only go to a source that is uh, that is sharing BS, <laughs> you know, things that aren't real. Um, we're very much going to be leaning that direction, no matter which direction it is, you know, even politically speaking. You know, if you're only believing one thing to be real, I have friends that I'm not as friendly with anymore. Getting to what you said, Len, and, and Anthony, you've said it, mm-hmm. um, or we've talked about it, that they're, I just don't understand how they believe certain things to be real. And it's, it, it's changed my opinion of them, not on purpose. I wasn't out to change that opinion, but it's changed my opinion. I can't help it because what I know to be real is different than obviously what they know to be real. And so is data, data is something that's, you know, measurable, you know, it's all these different um, um, dimensions of, of data. Um, but it's got to be experience has got to be added to that. And then we've got to all make our decisions as to what we feel is real, what data we believe and we don't believe and, um, and not always be somebody that can, uh, you know, it's always good to have a good story, right? Mm -hmm. But it depends on what the story is telling you. If the story is telling you something that's just complete BS, then, you know, you've got to have the experience to be able to say, you know what? I question that. That doesn't look right to me. And Anthony, that keeps coming back to, you know, you've got to get people, you know, building people's confidence in the data. And I know in your job and I know in all of our jobs is, is really a tantamount to success. If you can get people, if you can get the data to be trusted and for people to use it, then we're being successful in our job. Yeah. So, I want to take this conversation. I want to I want to take it from the the relatively high level abstraction that that it's at right now and bring it way down to something very relatable. I want to talk about how I buy stuff on Amazon. Because here's how I buy stuff on Amazon. So if I'm trying to debate, like I've 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 tried to find a good face lotion for a long time, and I haven't been able to find one that I like. It's too greasy. Oh, I or think whatever. the ones are so, working now, or it looks what, just fine. No, it's <laughs> it's not about the cosmetic side. I got that covered. But it's okay. it's really about saying. You know, I need something that has certain attributes, and I and I look for it, and I and I look at the Amazon metadata and and all of that, and I try to find that list of of the ones that make sense, and, and I go through that process, and I look at different options. But how do I make the actual? 
purchase decision? When do I actually decide to say, this is the one I believe that is worth my dollars to to go do? So there's a price factor, certainly. There's the metadata of like, this is what Amazon tells me they say about this product. That's fine. But I look a lot at the reviews. And I look right. at the reviews and I look at the ratings. Like I just straight up ignore anything that's under four stars. So let's just rule that out right away. But then I look at the ones and w- this is the pattern I've identified in myself. And I'm curious how, how you guys do it, but both like, how should we be doing this in this kind of, uh, in this kind of realm? And how does it extend to our businesses? So I look at the actual reviews and I look at a lot of the positives. I want to see a good positive um, trend. I want to see like, and I want to understand what people are saying they like about it. I want to see where where they're like. I still give it five stars, but this is one thing that I thought was a little bit different. Oh, it was smaller than I thought, or it was bigger than I thought, or it was greasy, or whatever it is, right? And then I look at some of the negative ones when somebody's like one star and it's like broken sentence, and I and they like they don't even have a point. Like, I'm like, okay, well they're just mad about something. I disregard that. But then when there's a, there's one that like tells a story of like I was expecting this. But I got this, and this is why it was was bad. That story, that one negative review tends to carry much more weight in my mind than all of those positive reviews. Those establish a trend, but then the outliers, those stories, both positive and negative, but the negative ones are especially important, help me understand a context and uniqueness where I'm like, ooh, that sounds like what I'm thinking. This person makes some really good points, and... It may help me, I think, make a better purchase decision because I avoid some of those things that are are beneath the surface level reviews. But I don't know if I tend to overweight those too much because they were articulate in that thing that I'm particularly concerned about versus should I be taking a much more just purely quantitative thing and say, well, it's 4.7 stars. This seems good. And just go with that versus trying to dig deeper into the qualitative side of them. So in your data management perspective, what do you guys think? How should we be doing this as individuals? And then how does it extend to the business? There's more numbers to it. First of all, I think if there's more reviews, that helps. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether they're because – Again, every if there's three reviews and two of them are five and one of them is one, it's going to give them a three point something rating right. or something like that. So I'll, I'm actually very different from you, Anthony, in that I go and I look straight to the ones. And if they says, oh, the package was busted up, so um, I won't order from them again, or I ordered a dozen and only 11 came. I figure that the overall rating wouldn't be up in the four or five range if that was actually something that reoccurred all the time. Mm-hmm. So, but, th- but this is very pertinent to our discussion because it's the data, right? And it's data that we use. I just, the way that I go about it is I say, I start with the low ones first because the easy ones, it's very easy to say, yeah, this is great. This product's great. I suggest it. I recommend it. Um, the ones that are low that have a have a story to tell have a, have something that is believable. Um, I rather than you know, like I said, eleven of twelve showed up instead of me getting all of them. There was one missing. You know, companies aren't going to get away with that. They're not going to have right. that many good ratings if that happens. So that's kind of I, I am very data driven that way as well. I don't do that intentionally, but you know, it's it's kind of built into. You know, they'll use the price and all those things. What do you do, Len? Do you shop on Amazon, Len? I shop on, uh, yeah, my wife calls it the evil empire. She's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> but um, the most important thing is um, I'm a, 
I have all these, even though I've studied Zen and all the, all this stuff, I have the same thing as every, every human. We make decisions on emotions. We make decisions on stories. Uh, so uh, th there was a book, there was a book and an audio series called switch by uh, Chip and Dan Heath. Mm. And they talk about an analogy of the elephant and the rider. The elephant is the emotions uh, or the story. And the rider, the very small thing, kind of directing it is the data. And, he, and what they say is, hey, the key is, like you said, Bob, let the data drive it. But we get on Amazon, and I have to admit, I've made a lot of purchases on Amazon <laughs> where it's like, oh, I'm excited. Uh, so what I found the most important thing to do is to stop, is to wait, is to not get it right away. So that if I look back in a day, and I say, wait a second, that uh, $500 shirt that looked really exciting, maybe it's not worth it. Uh, uh, of course, I did I did get this That's shirt. That's why you look like that all the time, because you buy $500 yeah. shirts, and I well, buy a Grateful Dead t-shirt. <laughs> so the key thing is not, like you said, it's a sad fact. When, it's a sad uh, idea when we, when we lose sight of the data and the facts. But the stories and the emotions, everybody knows that in boardrooms, people, decisions are uh, uh, not only Amazon decisions, they're driven. That's why data storytelling is so big. They're driven by emotions. So I think we have to do is stop and not have this uh, reactive uh, kind of uh, pleasure instinct, uh, pleasure versus pain instinct. And just get back to the data and realize, wow, I bought this expensive product because uh, of reviews uh, or the words that they used. Wow. It seemed cool at the time, right? It was, ah, I can use one of those. I'll find a way to use that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's like taking a step back, which is, which is a huge practice. And it's the practice that we have to do. By the way, that's why the media is how it is. It's driven by emotion and ratings and it's it's actually driven by one-sidedness. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's hard to find a neutral source. Neutral is boring. Data and facts are important, but they're boring. Uh, and people uh, aren't going to watch. That's when I talk yeah. about sensationalism in the, in the world's coming to an hour, to an end mm -hmm. in two hours. Stay tuned at 11. You know, <laughs> we know it's happening. It may have happened between now and then, but you know, come see how it how it ended out for all of us. <laughs> well, and, and guys, we might have to do our own little cliffhanger for next time. Cause we're out of time for today. And this went by fast and I really enjoyed it. I could literally have you guys on the show every week and we can just pick a new topic and talk about it. I may follow up with you on that offline, but I, um, I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and talking about this. It's been a lot of fun. And I think hopefully uh, it's been insightful and, and interesting for the, for the folks listening. Thank Thanks. you so much. Anthony, I always appreciate it. And uh, let's uh, let's keep working on uh, answering these questions. And uh, I don't know if we'll come to an answer, but we'll, we can come to an answer, but it may not be the answer. So, And, hey, exploring the questions is, is a lot of fun, and I think there's some value in that too. So thank you again, both of you, and uh, thank you all for watching or listening today. You'll find links and more information about today's topic in the show notes. Subscribe to our show on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Visit algman.com to learn more about Algman Data Leadership and the many ways we can help you become a data leader. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. <laughs>